Well, Mr. Stamper, what do you think? You know, drilling's a science. It's an art. I'm a third-generation driller. Doing it all my life, and I still haven't got it all figured out. I assume you sent for me because somebody told you I was the best. Well, I'm only the best because I work with the best. If you don't trust the men you're working with, you're as good as dead. Now, you want to send these boys into space? Fine. I'm sure they'll make good astronauts. But they don't know jack about drilling. Weekly pseudo academic roundtable with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co host, Palindrome Hannah Rogers, and returning after several weeks off, Wayne Wise. After a long <laughs> Hi, Wayne. <laughs> I'm, I'm back. It's been a long summer. Welcome back. Thank you. Been birthdays and weddings and well, all kinds of stuff. Speaking of that, I, as we were talking about what to do for the show this weekend. I wanted to do some shows that were just not as we we we've been dealing with serious issues. Last week we talked about you know banning Trump on Ravelry because I hope we said yes. Is no, the there, there was no debate. No, I oh, well. feel like about that. <laughs> okay, good, 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 good. No, no, I'll no. listen to it now. Yeah, well, I guess I might as well. I guess I might I might as well introduce now. My wife Stephanie oh, is hello. back on the show. Hey. I'm not going to say much, just so y'all know. <laughs> well, but um, we but we've been doing some you know some more serious topics, and so this one might be a little serious, but I don't think so. I think mostly it's just going to be talking about you know dumb, silly, fun stuff because um, I, in, a, in a drunken academic in way. a drunken academic way. That's right. Um, it's it's my birthday this week. Pretending this is the week that this show is on. Hey, happy birthday, Mav. Yeah. No. Happy birthday, Mav. Okay. I, want, I want everybody to notice that. Hope like, you like my present that I didn't forget about this year. Yeah. Yeah. Stephanie forgets my birthday every year. <laughs> <laughs> now, my birthday, as we record this, is actually like two weeks away, but it is in two days as this episode comes out. Now, the question is will I actually have a birthday present or will Steph go, oh, I remembered your birthday? It will be here. From Amazon in two days. <laughs> so what, 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 what you do, Steph, is you set a reminder. That's what I'm doing right now. Episode. I'm on my so calendar. Episode, yep. And that will remind you. Oh. <laughs> Indirectly. No, she's known me for That's over 20 sweet. years and my birthday has not See, changed. See, it just sneaks up. It's August 1st. How is anyone supposed to remember that? I mean, it's, it's not, it's not, not like it's a I, very I, easy I, day. And I, I it's, a, the it's at the beginning of the month, like the month starts like and there it is. Do. You don't have time to like get into it. Can't, can't ease into uh, it. Exactly. <laughs> Mine is at least like the 12th. Right. Her, birthday, so. her birthday is August 12th. So it's right after mine. Yep. And she remembers See? when her birthday That's is. why you always remember my birthday. No. <laughs> it's because I love you. It's because I love you, and that's what people who oh, love each other do. No, no. <laughs> no, no, no. See, I'm a good see. person. That's why. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's been so, six months, and my mother just handed me today a stack of comic books she bought me for Christmas because she forgot about them. <laughs> <laughs> six uh, more than six no, it's months. Been eight months. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Clearly, yeah. I don't have time. <laughs> 
Merry Christmas in late July, early August. Well, I guess there's such a thing as Christmas in July. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the couch books, Mom. Well, <laughs> uh, so silly show, as we said, as I said, and I thought it would be fun to like talk about one of my most favorite phenomenon in media. Uh, it happens a lot in movies, but it happens in books and comics and music. It's when two things come out, two narratives come out at the same or time more. or roughly the same time. Or more. Yeah, two or more. Two oh, or yeah, more, two yeah. or more come out at roughly the same time. And they are, you know, not a remake of each other, not inspired by each other because they come out close enough together that people had to be working on both at the same time, quite possibly unaware of the other one. And the the example I usually use when I'm when I'm talking about this is the movies Deep Impact and Armageddon, um, which are two movies about an asteroid. Actually, in Deep Impact, they always, people always say it's an asteroid, but it's actually common in Deep Impact. Two movies about an asteroid about to destroy the Earth and people um, dramatically trying to save the Earth or or, or whatever. And I, I and I just think it's fascinating that like the world was in such a place in 1998 that. Not, not only did we make a, a movie about an asteroid destroying the Earth, but we made two of them. And in fact, really three, because there was a made for TV movie that came out at the same time as well. Slay mm. <laughs> Monofanski. And all, all, all within what, just weeks of each months, other? Months, but, months. Uh, but, not, yeah. but okay. not long. I want to know, so John Dorowski uh, gives the example of the movies Smallfoot, Missing Link, and Abominable being children's films about Yetis coming out within the last year. I want to know what cultural moment is happening mm-hmm. that everyone's yeah. like, Yetis speak <laughs> to our moment in time, you know? <laughs> I, well, can we speculate? So, I mean, I think maybe that's what we do and we do today. We, we kind of go through and we look at some of these and we try to figure out what was happening that caused this to happen because so I can, I can speak to the Armageddon one with Armageddon. We actually are in, so they came out in 94. Um, I'm sorry, in 98, um, the year before scientists had actually discovered a new comet that was at that time. They were like, Oh wow, this actually is on a collision course with the earth. And people were like, oh, my God. And it's like, yeah, it will hit us in about 500 years. So, <laughs> so what do we do? Let's work. So, but like that was the kind of thing where people were like, movies. right. Well, people started wondering, ooh, what if something like this really happened? What would we do? We would call Bruce Willis, you know. <laughs> so, He's unbreakable after all. Oh, God. He, he, wasn't, unbre- he wasn't unbreakable yet. We did not, not yet know that Bruce Willis was unbreakable. We just knew he was bored. This is actually that's the beginning of that's the beginning the beginning of the point in Bruce Willis's film career when he was just really bored by every movie that he was in. <laughs> Steph's looking at me quizzically. Oh, I'm trying to think of the whole um, what you call it. Uh... <laughs> Where he's the superhero Die Hard, the Die Hard franchise. Yes. Yeah. Die Hard. Yeah. Well, like where Hard. that fits into the Die Hard franchise. Um, it's after the second one. Die Hard one. He's mm. very into and it's a very good movie. It's actually after um, uh, Die Hard two is the exact same movie as Die Hard one um, to the point where he comments on it during the course of the movie. He says, how can the same damn thing happen to the same guy twice? Because it's literally <laughs> it's literally the same movie. Um, and then Die Hard three is a different movie and it's kind of OK. It's not as good as Die Hard one. And then after Die Hard 3, um, they let Bruce Willis start producing the films. And Bruce Willis, though he stars in the Die Hard franchise, doesn't actually understand what makes Die Hard a good movie. Mm -hmm. Like what 
to Bruce. He's human. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bruce thinks that, oh, people love this story about super cop John McClane, but they don't. What's great about John McClane in the first couple Die Hard movies is he's really bad at it. He's not a good. I mean, he's a, he's he he cares a lot, but he's not a super cop. He's just very human. Um, he gets, he gets hurt a lot. lot. Yeah, I, I feel like I've heard this rant before. Yeah, everybody who likes <laughs> Die Hard. Um, possibly me. No, no, I think I think it's me. Yeah, I think it's, yes. <laughs> but like, but like, yeah, but like the the best, part, like the like the, the the biggest trouble that he has in the first Die Hard movie is he's like. I don't have shoes. This sucks. That's like where his problems yeah. started. He doesn't. Even so have he's shoes. frustrated at being human. Wants to be superhuman, and so like I think agrees he, to be in. I think Bruce doesn't understand those movies, and Bruce thinks that John McClane is a super cop. And so, uh, so after like in the later Die Hard movies, Bruce is, or, is like killing bad guys by shooting himself in the stomach and and hitting the guy behind him. <laughs> That, that is a thing that he actually does in a Die Hard movie. Okay. Fortunately, I've not seen that one. So. Um, um, but most of them, yeah. But, but anyway, so Armageddon is after the, I think it's actually before the third Die Hard movie, but it's after, I'm not sure, it might be after the third Die Hard movie. But it's in that range where Bruce is just like sort of over the whole acting thing. I, I, don't, I don't know if I ever actually saw both of them because they it's essentially the same movie in my brain. Well, which one did you see? Did you see the one I, with Bruce or the good one? I, 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 I don't know because it's been long enough since I saw it. I don't I don't know that I saw both of them, but somehow in my mind, I, I have. I've completed them. Which is the one where they actually land on the asteroid? Um, they land on the asteroid with a deep sea drilling crew in Armageddon. OK, I saw that. Okay, okay, I saw yeah. that. <laughs> The, the conceit of Armageddon is that Buscemi, yes, Buscemi yeah. is in, is, okay, is in Armageddon. That's the one I saw. Yeah, and their logic is, well, we've got you know we've got two weeks to save the Earth. Two weeks is not enough time to teach astronauts how to drill. So instead, we've got to teach drillers how to be astronauts because that's easier. And, <laughs> and, ben, and ben Affleck is in this movie and, and it's the best director's commentary on any movie ever because Affleck um, points out that he thought this is really stupid. Wouldn't it make more sense for us to be astronauts and then being taught how to drill? That really does seem mm-hmm. easier. Yeah. And Michael Bay told me to shut the fuck up. and it's the best commentary ever because you could tell affleck is affleck's doing director's commentary or actor's commentary on on the film and you can tell he just knows that it's a really bad movie and he's just like (laughs) they're they're paying me to do the commentary too so all right (laughs) yeah that's exactly what that's exactly what it is i asked michael why it was easier to train oil drillers to become astronauts than it was to train astronauts to become oil drillers and he told me to shut 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 the fuck up so that that was the end of that talk he's like you know ben just shut up okay you know this is a real plan all right i was like you mean it's a real plan at nasa to train oil drillers he was like just shut your mouth (laughs) deep impact on the other hand is a far superior movie to me because the comet wins Yay! <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't have the current situation now if this yeah. happens. So well, they go, yeah, they they go up and the comet's hurling towards the Earth, and they figure out, well, what do we do? 
we know we'll nuke it and destroy the comet. And they do. Wait, who who's in that one? Uh, Morgan Freeman. Oh. Uh, God can do it. Come on. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's the president in that. But uh. yeah, Morgan Freeman's in it. And um, Elijah Wood, I think. Or maybe it's not. Maybe it's one of those other kids who look exactly like Elijah Wood. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> this is going to be such an um, informative podcast this week. <laughs> I'm looking it up. Yeah, I was I know, about to look it up. I know Tia Leone's in it. Uh. Um, but like they, but the kid, this kid discovers the comet and then they send, um, they send astronauts up to, to nuke it and they end up splitting the comet in half. And they're like, yeah. shit, now there's two comets headed towards Earth. Isn't but, that what they were doing in Armageddon? Well, yeah. Drilling? Yeah, but it works. They're, they're, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, so they go in different directions or whatever. Uh, no, they just destroy it. Um, whatever. And in, in Deep Impact, it like sort of breaks in half. And then they've only got like one nuke left. So they nuke the bigger one and destroy it. And yeah, Elijah Wood, I was right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, good cast. Robert Duvall, Tia Leone, oh. Elijah Wood, Morgan Freeman, Vanessa Redgrave. Wow. Like, James Cromwell. Um, John Favreau is in it. Um, Laura Ennis, Mary McCormick. This is like a massive cast. Steven Spielberg. Lily Sobieski. Yeah. So executive producer. Yeah. Well, so um, Doug Ray Scott. Yeah. So they destroy the bigger one. And then the smaller one, it just keeps hurtling towards the earth. So mm. they like basically do the thing that you would do, which is they have underground bunkers and they're like, well, we need to figure out who is important to humanity to store in the bunker. And then everybody else, good luck to you. <laughs> and, and, I guess I guess we're going to massively spoil many movies. Yeah, yeah, spoil, yeah I mean, the movie's right. 20 years old. So I, I was never going to see it anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've never seen either of these, so I have no opinion. Oh, well. But it doesn't sound like things they care about. I, I'm not upset. Uh, okay, so, so let's, I, I'm I'm fascinated by by Hannah's question of the zeitgeist of, of the Bigfoot right now. What, what's happening in our world? Oh, wait, thing. does Morgan Freeman die or is he? St- no, he lives. He lives and he gives the second best presidential speech in the history of cinema at the end where he talks about like because they because they, they he goes in the bunker before they destroy the, the, the bigger half of the comet because there were two comets hitting Earth. Mm-hmm. And so only the small one does so so it causes devastation and a lot of people die but mm-hmm. like society kind of survives so when he comes out of the bunker he gives this great speech about and the waters receded and it's it's so good it is the, <laughs> what's the first biggest speech best speech harrison ford saying get off my plane uh, no that's that's a moment the, the, the best presidential speech in the his, in history of cinema is is um independence day um by um president Oh, now is he? Is it, is it Paxton or Pullman? I think Paxton. <laughs> no, I think it's actually Bill Pullman, uh. but nobody knows. <laughs> um, but yeah, Abominable Snowman. I don't know because, like, right now this year, yeah, we that have, was like a seventies thing. What Abominable like, Snowman? Like, like the, yeah, but all these stories, right, have like yeti-ish things that like lived in an isolated community and then they like go and wander the world and there's like migration and movement and i don't i don't know where i'm going with this but, but it's a pattern so you think we are in a war something about finding mm. family yeah, um that's every child's movie so, what are, what, what are so they, wait what, what year are we talking about here 2019 okay. yeah right now Wow, eighteen okay, nineteen. Yep. Yeah. So, yes. so, so is, it, is it an immigration thing? All these the, the strange, mm. strange people from from isolated cultures coming into the the larger world. Is that is that what we're? Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm I'm I, I'm spitballing. I'm here. not. I'm not prepared to make an argument <laughs> about the fascination with the Yetis. What are the, what are the, what are the three? Like it's. I know. I know. Smallfoot one. What's what are the other two? 
Abominable. It's it's the one that like no one's seen yet because it, it's uh, not out yet. It's coming out in September. Okay. Uh, the animation looks really pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Missing Link, Missing Link which yeah. Yeah. where I guess he's technically a Sasquatch and not a Yeti or something. I don't know. Yeah, they're first cousins. Yeah. <laughs> he's a Bigfoot. <laughs> You know, we don't like my, that my term. mother says that my mother says that Smallfoot is very cute. Oh, so she's saying that she, she keeps that. up with the kids' movies because she's a like teacher, so like she's seen more of them than I have, and I see a lot of children's movies. I thought it was just kind of pressure for you to reproduce or something. No, <laughs> <laughs> she has enough kids in her life apparently. <laughs> She, she has she has many cats and now a dog. <laughs> oh, okay, so what are some other what are some other ones? It I, is Bill Pullman. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's talk about the one I want to talk about. Sure. Okay. Okay. There is a clear winner when it comes to films about friends with benefits. Yes, there so is. So, like as as you listed, there were three films: No Strings Attached, Friends with Benefits, and Love and Other Drugs that came out. In 2011, mm-hmm. and I within, actually, mo- within like three in a three month period, there was one every month, and they and they all starred, all three of them starred an actor and an actress who were like sort of the it people of the time, like who were yeah. all, all but indistinguishable from each other, and okay. <laughs> so and so just for 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 people, uh, no strings attached stars. Um, Ashton Kutcher and Natalie no Portman, who have no what? chemistry. They have no chemistry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, oh, oh you're, you're okay, giving no, away sorry. what the good one I'll, is. I'll, I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> yeah. Friends with Benefits is Justin Timberlake and um, uh, Mila Kunis. I don't know Mila or Mila. I don't know Mila how Kunis. she pronounces it. And then Love and Other Drugs is Jake Gyllenhaal and Anne Hathaway as mm-hmm. a different couple than they were in Brokeback Mountain just before. So I watched all three of these films in mm-hmm. one night. Oh, really? Just for the show? Wow. So my friend from college and I had whatever the like college version of a sleepover is. I guess it's just a sleepover. And... <laughs> We also, not, just, not just this week. You watch this is this is something you've done for fun and not for the show. No, this is this is this is like a thing that I've had an opinion on for many years. Okay. Uh so we watched them and we watched it. First we watched No Strings Attached, which I was so bored by. I started reading. And then yeah, we watched not the good one. <laughs> we watched Love and Other Drugs, which was basically the same movie. I know you feel differently, but it was basically the same movie, but trying to be so? smarter. Yes. I really well, okay. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. Okay. I will. Uh, now, uh, I, I see where you're going with it. And then, uh, and then, blessedly, we watched Friends with Benefits, which I thought was also going to be dumb, but actually, it was semi charming. And Mila Kunis actually has chemistry with Justin Timberlake. Yes, she and does. I enjoyed it so much. But mm-hmm. years later, Josh and I were in Iceland, and we had Iceland Netflix. And after a night, <laughs> after a night out on the town. We went back to our hotel and I pulled it up and I said, I really want to watch this movie. Can we watch it? And it, was it in English? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's just, they have different movies available. Also, they had Laris Juliet, which we also watched. And Josh was very into whether or not the chef boyfriend would get his restaurant and not the rest of the plot, which to be fair, that that's fair. Um, Anyway, we had a good time. We ate like 
uh, crepes at like uh, mm-hmm. 2 a.m. and watch this movie. And it was still as good as it was the first time, which, you know, it's kind of by the numbers, but it's fun. They're Harry Potter tattoo jokes or something that amused me. I, anyway. I, so, okay. So, so who's seen this? Um, I know for a fact, Steph has seen all three of them. She has no memory of any of them. No, no I do remember the Justin Timberlake Mila Kunis one. Okay. Um, so hey, if you remember it, that means it's better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Wayne, have you seen any of them? No. Okay. I, I will agree that of the three, um, Friends with Benefits is the most fun to watch. It is the one that I probably like best. My problem with Love and Other Drugs, because I've watched it a few times. I've watched all three of them a few times because that's, that's the person that I am. I'm, I'm weird with movies. Um, Love with other drugs, love and other other drugs. I don't think is really a friends with benefits kind of movie. Like the, like the commercials made it seem like that. But and again, spoilers for a movie that's really old. It's the plot isn't really about that. The plot of, is really about her being sick. It's you know they start off they start off with this you know they are friends with benefits. Oh no, she doesn't have cancer, does she? Um, what does she have? Uh, she, uh, no, I don't think it's cancer. I think it's like um like MS or something. But she but she's sick before the show starts before mm-hmm. before before it starts and they're friends with benefits for like the first 10 minutes 10 15 minutes they develop into a relationship and then the plot is about you know her illness getting in in the way of their relationship and 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 it's to me it's a very different movie so i think it's a much more it's not really a comedy i don't think it really belongs in um in the same category, but the world was in such a place that in 2011, that I think that I feel like they thought, Hey, friends with benefits is like the hot thing that everybody wants to deal with because the millennials are, you know, they don't really date and they just have sex and blah, 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 blah. And at least that was the narrative. So I think they marketed it that way, but I don't think it's, I don't think that's the movie it is. It's Parkinson's disease, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that. Yeah. And she, and, and it's really about, you know, he's a drug rep, I think, which is how she meets him. Like, so she's sick. Yeah, she's sick the entire time. Um, Or uh, yeah, she's sick literally the entire movie. Um, And you know, but it's but it's progressive, so it's getting worse. I can't watch those movies. Yeah, just too sad. Uh, I mean, I mean, spoilers again for you know a movie that's eighteen years old. She she lives. Yeah, it's not. Well, I mean, like the thing about Parkinson's is um, it degenerative. You know, yeah, yeah, and like it gets worse, and actually sometimes like it might get to a point where. It your quality of life is just so so low, right. uh, which the movie deals with. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't get that far, but they get to where she's pretty. Where she's she's clearly it's a good acting job by Anne Hathaway. She's mm-hmm. she's clearly her quality of life has clearly diminished over the course of the mm-hmm. movie. It, it, you know, yep. wow, yeah, yeah. Like, but they they you know they deal with it. Like, I they they like have other characters who like have dealt with like different stages of Parkinson's mm-hmm. that address like some of the things that's not shown. Yeah, but Anne Hathaway is always good. It's just yeah. Yeah. I. I I I mean I I could reevaluate it. I just didn't enjoy watching it, especially I think part of the reason I disliked it it really felt so similar in some beats to no strings attached, which is no fun at all. I I, I felt all. like I felt like with no strings attached um to me the problem was like it seemed in a lot of ways no strings attached seems like a movie written um, by 60 year olds about what 
being 20 is now. Like it, like it was, it was just kind of going through the beats of, well, you know, and then they do the hooking up and then they do this. Yeah, can you remind us of just like the basic plot of that? It's exactly what you think it is. There's um, like, there are two, there are, there are two people who are relatively busy, Ashton Kutcher and um, Natalie Portman. And I think they, I think they had known each other like at camp. Yeah, they've known each they other. Knew, yeah. They, they, they've like run into each other over time. Yeah, over the years. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, you know, so they they met when they're like 12, right? So now they're like 25, 30 or whatever. And they're like, you know, you're a busy person. I'm a busy person and we don't have time for relationships, but we're both hot. So we should, you know, fuck on occasion. And, and they, and they do that for a while. And then he falls in love with her and develops feelings. But she's like, no, this is just supposed to be sex. There's not supposed to be feelings. It's like, but I love you. So everything's different. And then they argue. And then it turns out she loves him too. So they live happily ever after. That's the story. And it's not, good because as attractive and i mean i i will say they're both good actors they are both very attractive people hannah's right they have no chemistry with Mm -hmm. what with each other whatsoever at no point in the movie do you go oh wow i get why they even want to talk to each other much much less have sex with each other like you just don't buy it and also like the script doesn't help because i mean like obviously when you watch a romantic comedy you accept that at some point there's going to be some like misunderstanding or there will be a trial that you have to overcome and some are stupider than others but but there's just so many like back and forth misunderstandings that at some point you're like okay just give up this is clearly not (laughs) yeah yeah just out of curiosity, no strings attached has a forty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So Friends with Benefits is a sixty eight percent, and Love and Other Drugs, which actually came out first, um, at tail end of two thousand, that's down at a forty eight percent. But I maintain that mm-hmm. so it actually has the lowest. But I maintain it's because they super mismarketed it. Like they like from the from the trailers, you don't know anything about her being sick at all. That's most of the mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, <laughs> like, like 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 if you went in expecting a romantic comedy. 20 minutes in. Yeah, like, I would have laughed, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I can't take those movies. This is not a date movie. This this was this was them them, you know, two people who had been getting Oscar buzz thinking we're gonna have, you know, we're gonna have our own Oscar movie that's a romantic, you know, like and it's not serious. It it, it does not deserve an Oscar, but that's what they were hoping for. And it is not, you know, it's not the movie that mm-hmm. they marketed it as at all. I know that this has nothing to do with our discussion, but I really want to know what Anne uh, Hathaway was hoping for when she took on a role in Serenity. <laughs> Sometimes you want to do an art piece, I think. <laughs> like, guys, it's just every actor in that movie acts in a different genre. <laughs> oh, we're going to... I still haven't watched it yet. It, it, it is on my, I mean, you've convinced me I'm going to have to now. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, but yeah, so I mean, I, but sometimes like movies at least get accused of like people stealing ideas, uh, mm-hmm. like ants and a bug's life. Like people like worked closely together on that or like, like not on that. They like, they worked, uh, for like similar things. Um, I think, I think like, yeah. Um, so like Jer- Jeffrey Katzenberg, uh, like worked for Disney and then he founded mm-hmm. DreamWorks and John Lasseter, of course, uh, that douchebag, uh, works, uh, works <laughs> with Pixar and they both were developing the story goes that each claims that they were developing something about bugs and mm-hmm. depending on who you talk to, someone stole someone right. else's idea or like new things that they shouldn't have known or whatever. Um, 
so yeah, like, I mean, sometimes like studios like work on things and like ideas kind of like shuffled around. I mean, like the jungle book was like a thing that, uh, like got remade by, um, Disney in 2016. Uh, but Andy Serkis mm-hmm. had his version of the jungle book come out on Netflix. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, he tried to, yeah. Get, he tried to get it in theaters. It just Netflix. But the thing is, is the that deal, like, so yeah. um, I heard that um, about Andy Sandberg's first, actually. Andy Circus. Yeah. Uh, Andy Circus. Who is Oh, Andy Sand. I'm so tired. <laughs> I wanna, I, yeah, Andy Circus. Uh, you know, like I heard about his Jungle Book being in development for a long time because he was spending mm-hmm. a lot on like the technology. And so it came out two years later than the Disney Jungle Book, but it had been in like production for like mm-hmm. four or five, six years. Uh, and then, you know, Disney, I think it was basically kind of like, well, someone else is making a Jungle Book. We we should probably jump on this since we like you know are famous for our, our animated. I mean, like there's been talks over the years of like a studio that's not Disney, like making a Mulan or a Little Mermaid or Being the Beast, and like they just mm-hmm. like you know fall through the cracks um, or like stall. Oh, there's been a couple um, of Little Mermaid remakes. I've seen a couple yeah. of other versions of Little Mermaid, um, both animated yeah. and real life, that nobody knows about or, because yeah. no one would care. Everybody thinks yeah, that or, or they made it up. Are they like, yeah, I didn't know that. Um, but, you know, Disney, of course, like sees this and is like, well, we're the ones who like popularized it, so we might as well do it. Also, the answer to uh, which Jungle Book is better, better, it's neither because the Jungle Book sucks and we should stop remaking that <laughs> colonialist piece of trash. <laughs> Oh, Hannah has spoken. Um. <laughs> Everyone just go see Lion King instead. Um. No, not, I don't think the Lion King has a great message either. Uh, the, I saw someone tweet that unlike a lot of Disney movies where the power shifts a little bit, the Lion King is about how important it is that everything stay the same and the king mm-hmm. be in charge. Ah, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but that, that joke is dead. Move on to play. Move on to play uh, Lego we, or uh, something. Uh, uh, <laughs> the movie's out now. We have to be prepared for this next time. No, the movie's yeah, out now here. for our listeners. Not yet for us. It comes out this weekend for us. So, so, so I'm 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 pretty much out of time to to use that that clip now. So I had to get one last time. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of hoping they they I, I doubt it, but I'm hoping that they change the the underlying message of Lion King in this. Yeah, I'm, well, the underlying message is Hamlet. I'm pretty sure that yeah. the um, <laughs> Lion King is basically a shot for shot remake based on the reviews with a couple of added like added extra things. Oh, uh, so, so so what you're saying is no one actually needs to see it. <laughs> so I want to I want to remake it. <laughs> no, I'm everyone needs to see it. <laughs> I'm serious. I want to remake it. What Lion King? Yeah. <laughs> With, with where the Hamlet? message is not like genetics is like destiny. Oh, come on! But then it wouldn't be Hamlet. That's okay. <laughs> it doesn't have to be Hamlet. <laughs> but it, the it Lion could... King is just Hamlet. That's what it is. <laughs> I mean, you could make a different movie about lions, I guess. <laughs> it, would, it would be different, but mm. it would have a better message. Would it still keep Elton John songs? Yes, of course. So, so what's going on with all these all these movies about lions, lions coming out at once? <laughs> what, what's that about? 
Uh, well, I, I did want to hit some of the other ones. So the first one of these that I remember happening and, you know, I, I did see other ones when I went back and like figured out things like, you know, Star Wars and and Star Wars comes out around the same time as like Black Hole. Like they're 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 trying to do stuff like that, like that. But the one that I really remember as where it was really a thing was Tombstone and the Wyatt Earp story. Yeah. And the way now that one's that one's not quite just coincidence, because um, what happened was uh, Costner was supposed to star in Tombstone and he came to a disagreement with the producers because the producers are like, we're going to do a story about the the battle at the OK Corral and, and Wyatt Earp's time in Tombstone and Costner being Kevin Costner. This is this is Costner in the Dances with Wolves, Field of Dreams era. He's like, no, it needs to be epic. <laughs> Big star. <laughs> yeah, point. yeah. And yeah. And, you know, this, this is Waterworld level Kevin, Kevin Costner. I can do anything. And if you've seen Waterworld. I mean, no, he, no, can. he can't. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 um, and, but like he, but he was, he, he, he was like, no, I don't want to make a movie just about this one sensationalized portion of, 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 uh, White Earp's life. This needs to be a deep dive into his life history. So he leaves the project of Tombstone and says, I'm just going to make this on my own. And he makes the White Earp story. Costner was wrong. Um, <laughs> I've seen both movies. Um, Tombstone is one of my favorite movies of all time. And the White Earp story is 47 hours long. <laughs> it is White Earp's life in real time. Well, it doesn't have the all-star cast, Tombstone. Oh, has. it does. Does it? Oh, really? oh yeah. It's just it's it's people thinking no one remembers. Yeah, it's people thinking that they are that they are going to be in this prestige Oscar movie, and they are not. Um, um, it is long and slow and much more historically accurate. And mm-hmm. movies are not documentaries. And again, like so the White Herb story starts in his childhood and just works its way through. This is this is before the DVD Blu-ray era. So I remember when it came out on videotape and it was on two um long play videotapes because it's I think it's legit four hours and you watch it and it feels like four hours. It's just so slow. And you're just like, why are we watching? Because White Earp in Tombstone, he was a lawman before he went to Tombstone. When he goes to Tombstone, yeah. he's trying to escape it. He, he decides he doesn't want to be a cop anymore. So, he, so that's why he left. He wanted to be rich. He wanted to make his fortune. And he actually in the movie Tombstone, he actually has a line of, you know, the entire time I was a I was a lawman in all those cow towns. I only pulled my gun one time and, and shot somebody one time and it was the worst day of my life. So Kevin Costner decided, let's show all these times where he's being a cop who doesn't use a gun, which is not how Westerns work. <laughs> and that's kind of the flaw in that film. So he does get to Tombstone eventually. But it's so slow. Whereas Tombstone is just like Tombstone goes, there's four brothers too many. Make it three. Yeah. <laughs> they literally just write one of the brothers out historically inaccurate. But they're just like there's too many people in this movie. Just cut it down. <laughs> and and, and D- Doc Holliday's far more more interesting. Yeah. So. And, yeah. and they're like, uh, so McClary Clampett gang. Nobody's going to remember that. Let's just call them the Cowboys. Cowboy gang. Yeah. Tombstone makes a movie out of it. And, and, and I, I, and I don't know what. I, I, I just want to throw an observation in here. They, there's the cliche. If you go to Tombstone, which, which I've been there, you know, Tombstone is the town that, that, you know, shot a man for breakfast every day or something. And 
I, I was there in late May when it was like roughly 137 degrees in the shade. <laughs> and, all, and all the reenactors were there wearing several layers of black wool. There's a reason people got shot yeah. in Tombstone in the 1870s. <laughs> But it's a great movie. Um, yeah, like oh, yeah. I loved. Have you seen both of them or just Tombstone? I've seen both. But yeah, Tombstone. Yeah. Tombstone I've seen. It's one of you know I've talked. I don't rewatch a lot of movies. That's one I've seen multiple times. Mm-hmm. Or it was and, wider if I saw once ish. Well, I know I know Steph's seen Tombstone multiple times because you've watched it with me multiple times. You've probably fallen asleep. Multiple I, times. I have fallen asleep. <laughs> yeah. I don't like westerns. I don't uh, either. Um, Thank you. Because they're the worst. Yeah. It's like, not it's this like, one. Not this one. That one's good. Like James Bond. I don't like James Bond. I don't just like too James Bond. Yes. No, James Bond's terrible. I can, I love Indiana Jones. Don't know why. Mm-hmm. But, but not Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom is terrible. Really? That's the one. Racist? Yeah. That's the one you don't like? Willie? Is oh, absolutely. absolutely. You can't watch it. Absolutely. Women, but, women like, don't like it. Yeah, Willie and, and Data just screaming for three hours. Just. No, it's, it's, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's good. I'm, I'm not saying it at all, but I'm, but when you, but when you picked out one that you said, except for this one, I'm just going to assume you didn't see Crystal Skull. Uh, no. Okay. Here's my unpopular <laughs> opinion of the day. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is far better uh, than Temple of Doom. Uh, <laughs> in fact, there is a good movie in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull if you edit certain scenes out. 90% of it. No. Remove Shia LaBeouf in its entirety, who's the lead of the film, then yeah, it's a better film. Um, Harrison Ford is the lead co-lead, of the film. Yeah, the co-lead of the film. If you take out the co-lead, the movie gets better. Uh, I think that he was fine. I mean, monkey swinging around. No, but I mean, like, it's not the worst performance I've ever seen someone give. Also, That's true. Me, like, it is not the worst performance I've ever seen someone give. So, but this doesn't happen in movies. And for once in my life, I'm going to talk about music, but not mention Kesha, though she does have a spaceship song <laughs> called Spaceship. So, like, <laughs> like look, like there, there were like a billion like space songs like in the late sixties, early seventies. Space Cowboy, Rocket Man, uh, Supersonic Rocket Ship. <laughs> Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. I was I was getting to that, you know. Uh space station number five. Like, so what was going on to make everyone want to sing about space? Yeah. Moon landing. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean that, that that's pretty yeah. much the answer. To that. Yeah. I actually read a book a couple summers ago that was called Strange Fascination, I think it was called. And it was tracing the science fiction influences on rock and roll. And there's a lot of it, and but it focused a lot on on that stuff very specifically. I, I asked a very obvious question, but I guess it makes the larger point that sometimes there is something like super super major going on that that you can oh, yeah. you can actually yeah. specifically point to it and not just like guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and yeah, you're right, and and a lot of times you know, it, you can theorize on this stuff in retrospect. What was going on in the world right then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one is a very specific. We landed on the moon, so mm-hmm. so people were jumping on that bandwagon. I didn't, I didn't put any of them on the list because they were too obvious and there were just too many of them, but there are a bajillion television shows and movies about counterterrorism starting in 2002. Well, I mean, just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> September 11th yeah. happened yeah. and it's yeah. like, oh, Not we even, need to address this. So. Even like subplots, yeah. like so. the character of Saeed in Lost clearly like is addressing like Islamophobia yeah. mm-hmm. um, and like working at it from like mm-hmm. a slightly different point of view. I mean, we still have like shows like Homeland that Homeland is still on, right? I'm mm-hmm. not crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't watch it. 
It's on height. I mean, it's it's coming back for one I, more season. It has not come out yet. Yeah, I I watched the first two or three seasons, and then it just became very much same old, same old. But I, there there were things about the the series I liked certainly. Um, well, the second season I mean, of, I, of Homeland yeah. drags for me because it really yes. is just reiterating stuff from the first season. Um, because they didn't know Brody I, was going to be as popular as he was. They're like, oh, right. this guy's really popular. Right. We need to bring him back. And and then when they finally moved on from that was season three, my interest went up again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's see. Look, similar ones. Um, Olympus has fallen and White House down both in 2013. Yeah. I, I think those are an extension of that trope of the we are now worried about terrorism. We are now worried yeah. that, you know, terrorism here. Yeah, oh, terrorism yeah. here. And someone might come after the president. And so we'll make two movies that are literally exactly the same. Neither of which is any good. One of which is more popular and gets to have apparently two sequels. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't realize what that was until it happened. Yeah, I, and once again, I saw one of those, but I couldn't tell you which one it was. <laughs> I never even heard of either of those. <laughs> They're not good. You know, sometimes like like you you put this on the blog, uh, but like you know, sometimes there are things that just stick around, like doctor shows yeah. or like cop shows, um, or you know, standard spy flicks, mm-hmm. superhero movies that like there's just so many of them. It's not like a twin like phenomenon. Yeah. Like, it's just the cultural milieu. Or something. Yeah, I, I don't think there's ever going. I don't think it's. I don't think it's fair to say Law and Order or CSI are copying off of each other. I think it's just we make cop shows. Mm-hmm. You know, right. we made Dragnet yeah, yeah. too and Car Fifty Four, and you know, they're they're cop mm-hmm. shows. Well, and you know, there are examples going to the the comics thing. Examples of how many copies of Superman are there? Right, and they really are because he came first and threw off the the, the genre. Right, um, but you know, there are examples of of things that like are oddly similar within that genre. In the example, you and I have talked about this, Mav, and it's, you can find a million YouTube videos and whatever, but 1963, we had both X-Men and Doom Patrol. Two months? Super-powered... Two months apart, um, I think, or three. I, I, I looked it up before starting the show. Doom Patrol premiered, it's cover dated June 1963. Uncanny X-Men is cover dated September 63. So Doom Patrol is first. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but, you know, group of super-powered misfits led by a cranky man in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so there's some you know, debate as to which one came first was one of them. I mean, we know which one came first, came out first, yeah. but you know, where did the idea come from yeah. and, and was somebody copying after somebody else? Mm-hmm. And yeah, kind of bottom line with that is Marvel and DC both had offices in New York at the time, like just a few blocks apart and everybody in the industry knew each other mm-hmm. and were and, and half the industry worked for both companies. Like yeah, exactly. they, they were freelance. Yeah. Exclusive yeah, I mean, contracts were Jack Kirby and, and, and eventually Steve Ditko. Yeah. And, and yeah, Stan Lee was the only employee of Marvel for you. Stan and the secretary Flo Steinberg, everybody else is freelancing. Yeah. So they all knew each other. And, 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 but so those guys were all having lunch together and mm-hmm. hanging out and batting story ideas back and forth. So did anybody rip anybody off? Nobody can pinpoint moments when this stuff was created. Cause it was a long time ago and everybody's dead. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Everybody is dead. They, yeah, they, they actually, like actually are all dead. after Stan died. Yeah. They actually are. Well, and Ditko died too, but like, yeah. I, I maintain that Ditko was a man. And with, with X Men, it, it, it was Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. With uh, with Doom Patrol, it was the well known names of, of Bruno Premiani and Arnold, Arnold Drake, I believe. Uh, yeah, because exactly right. Yeah, I know yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> actually, I actually wouldn't have been able to do it without looking it up. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that I didn't look up because it, it's in my brain. But the so yeah, so there's there's been a lot of oh, who ripped off who? Blah blah. blah. I don't know that anybody ripped off anybody. They were. It just might have been a collaborative idea. Ideas. Yeah, right, right. They, they, you do your version, we'll do ours, and we'll see which one's better. You know, I could see them doing that mm-hmm. at that time because um, there was a lot of that kind of back and forth between Marvel and DC. Well, um, I, I do think we're talking about looking back at cultural moments and what was going on at that time, and, and this is not as specific as, as the moon landing, obviously. Both of those is 1963. Out in San Francisco, we have, you know, the Kerouac and all those guys, and when we have the, the beginnings of, you know, the magic bus and then LSD and all the stuff, you know, the hippie generation just beginning. So in 1963, we get superhero groups of social outcasts, mm-hmm. young people, teenagers who are social outcasts, teenagers who are social so, outcasts you know, and who have grown up in a fear of the bomb because it's because it's 1963. Yeah, yeah. So it's so we are literally 18 right. years. We are right after um, yeah. Hiroshima, 18 years after Hiroshima. So it's yeah. teens, who, oh, wow. teens in the shadow. Yeah. You of forget the, how closely in time that was. Yeah. 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 Right, right. So they all have nuclear power. Yeah, growing up in the shadow of the bomb. Right. Yeah, they're all nuclear power carriers. Pretty much all the early Marvel universes fear of the bomb to some degree or another. Um, but yeah, so I, I think you can look back and go, there is a cultural zeitgeist that influenced mm-hmm. these things. Uh, how overtly it influenced them or whether it was a more subtle influence. Yeah, you know, like the general idea can be influenced, but the specifics like a guy in a wheelchair leading them seems like it must yeah, be a shared yeah, idea. Right. Yeah. Well, and I, I named another one, which was uh, Swamp Thing and Man Thing. Uh, Swamp Thing, I think, to the non-comics fan is probably the one that's more in the zeitgeist. It's probably the one that, like, stuff you've probably heard of yeah. Swamp Thing yes, before. Yes, have. Okay, and it... Because there have been yes, TV shows yes, and they I really bad. And the picture's too. memorable. Oh, one episode. Yeah. Well, no, there's a whole season of the of the new TV show. Good. Yeah. Well, one episode that aired before it got canceled. Uh, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. But yeah, right. they, they did... Wow, they did fast. Put, <laughs> they, they did put the entire thing out. It's on, on DC. I haven't watched it yet because I'm still in the middle of Doom Patrol. But, um... Uh, but Swamp Thing is DC Comics character that is a ecological scientist that, uh, who's been absorbed by the earth and has ecological powers. Mm-hmm. And Man Thing is Marvel's version of exactly that. <laughs> like, yeah, they, pretty and, much exactly. The worst name. Yes. With the unfortunate yes. name of Man Thing <laughs> and just, the even more unfortunately published book with the actual title of Giant Size Man. I'm showing Steph the picture of the two of them facing each other and I defy you to tell me which one. Yeah, uh, Swamp Thing, right? When I teach my comics history class, I just throw the cover of Giant Size Man Thing up without any comment, just let them read the title <laughs> and wait for the response. Just to wait for the response. Uh, the two guys who invented Swamp Thing and Man Thing um, went two months apart for two different publishers and were roommates at the time. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, not surprising. And, and, and there's precedent to that character. There was a, a comic book character in the 1940s which called also exactly. um, which is pretty much exactly the same concept. So yes, and, and these guys knew that. They, they had read that comic. They were aware of it. And it was very much a, hey, how can we, we do this in a modern context? So modern, i.e. 1970 yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So let's see. What else? What else? So, but, but that, so yeah, that wasn't an accidental thing. That was two guys mm-hmm. living together mm-hmm. going, hey, let's do this. I think some of them. So one of our some, one of our listeners pointed out that there are a lot of documentaries and films in the last year or two about like the Apollo landings. And I think that that one, I think it's well, it's the anniversary, you know, like we're, you know, like people are, yeah. are, are thinking about these things again. I think the same thing happened with um, 
there were three movies about Churchill and or Dunkirk last year mm-hmm. or two years ago, 2017. Darkest Hour, Dunkirk mm-hmm. and Churchill all came out in the same year. And that was just like everybody going and thinking a lot about World War Two. Do you think that they like may, maybe coordinate like the studios coordinate like you gain up interest in a particular topic and that helps sales for other movies? Cause it, no, because I don't think it I don't think it really does. In fact, they seem to be upset like mm-hmm. they're, they're usually competing with each other. Like they're usually yeah. very afraid yeah. that um, like there, there was a big rush for mm-hmm. Tombstone and, and, and Wyatt Earp that the Tombstone guys we've got to get our movie out first because Costner was such a big star. Mm. They didn't know if it was going to be any good or not, but they, they really wanted mm. to beat the, and they beat him for about like six months. They, cause they knew he was producing it. So they, they really wanted to get tombstone out. And, um, and I think it's more of a war in those cases. than yeah. it is. And, and even if it's not like entertainment journalists make it yeah. presented as so like the jungle book, like when there were updates, they would be like, who's racing to get to the like screen first. Mm. Um, mm. and so on and so forth. Mm. No, we, we have not mentioned actually my favorite twin movie thing, mm. which is uh, The Prestige oh, I've and seen The that. Illusionist. I've seen The Prestige. Which, yeah. which are two very different but good films that are about people who do magic of some sort in a historical mm-hmm. period. Um, I, I read yeah, the I didn't see Illusionist. I didn't see the other. I read I the did too. as well in the book. Um, I've seen the, illusion- I, I, the Illusionist actually came out first. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one stars uh, Edward Norton, Paul Giamatti, and Jessica Biel. Uh, and it takes place in the 19th century uh, in Vienna. And it's basically like, a, it's basically a historical love story where as probably everyone knows, the prestige is more about like two men-ish competing against each other and then there's weird stuff going on and also a race for electricity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. David yes. Who can forget? Um, <laughs> a lot of David Bowie references tonight. Um, but like, but like you know, the prestige is really more of what? like a suspenseful mystery film and the illusionist is just totally a like romantic kind of fairy tale thing. Um, and people were just like, these are very, very similar, and I'm only going to go see one. Mm-hmm. But you missed out. You missed out on the Illusionist. Really? You should go back and watch. Okay. Yeah, like I, I like them both equally. Like they're really good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sometimes they, sometimes that happens. Sometimes that they, they are, you know, because people will do that, and it's like, well, uh, I'm gonna only going to see one. And, and I think I'm trying to think. Even last year, they didn't make our list, but last year when we were preparing for the, um, the we had a show that we were doing on, on, um, I don't remember what we called it, but it was where I watched the favorite for it. Uh, oh, it favorite, was a show like, about like Royal television and film. Cause they do a lot. Royal television. And, um, and I didn't have time to go. What was the one that was in theaters at the same time? Very it was favorite and, and the favorite. Yeah, and I couldn't see both. And I, and I, I, I couldn't see both in time for the episode that we wanted to record. I just didn't have enough time. So it's like, well, I think I'll go see favorite because it's the one that has heavier Oscar buzz. And it's the one I want that I, therefore I'm more interested in, but you liked Mary Queen of Scots, right? No. Oh, you did not? Oh, that no. was one. No, no. <laughs> no, it was super boring. Like, it was really boring. The makeup was really good. They try to do the occasional interesting thing. Um, we didn't talk about it on that show, but they, I don't, it, it was fine. Um, <laughs> it, it, like, but, but toward the end, like, Josh and I were literally checking our watches. Like, it's 
It's got to end soon, right? Right, right. Um, uh, I've done that for Solo and Mary Queen of Scots in the more like recent history. So that that tells you where it is um, Mm -hmm. on my very arbitrary rankings of movies. Uh, But oh, uh, Mav, on the blog you said you hadn't like thought about books, and I found one. Uh, Yes. Okay. In like around the time the Hunger Games games came out, um, there were a lot of other books that had some sort of dystopian thing. I mean, like yes, obviously, like um, the uh, Divergent series came out after, um, Mm -hmm. but Maze Runner came out around the same time, if not before the first Hunger Games book. And, you know, there's always, like, a bunch of, like, kids dystopian. Oh, no. It came out the year after The Hunger Games. But, like, you know... We're about Japanese series that Battle Royale has the same plot. Yeah. They, they both authors were aware of the yeah. Japanese story, so they probably were influenced by it. Yeah, and then there was the Ugly series that came out actually a couple years before. Um, I remember those books. I, uh, I was still like sort of in um, young adult, like a targeted age, um, so I, I had read mm-hmm. those. Um, yeah, like. Lots of like, I mean, like, there's always been some sort of kids dystopian fiction. Um, there's like the <laughs> Hidden Child series. Um, when I was like in elementary school, um, which I, I don't remember if it was called that, but it was like about kids who like like there was um, a fam like a rule that like you could only have a certain number of kids per family, and then people had more kids, so they hid their children from the government so they wouldn't die. Oh, okay. Um, yes. yes. So you know, there's there's always like stuff like that going on in young adult novels, which I guess speaks to the precarity that is always going on. And you feel particularly precarious as a child. So I'm curious what people think about some of the ones that are just bad. So, because here's here's a couple that I that I thought of that you know I, I put both of them on the list, and I wasn't even sure if anybody had seen any of the four movies that I'm about to mention. The first one, actually, I'll go in reverse order. The first two, because I know Steph's seen both of these, and she's going to tell me I have no memory of either of those. Fifty Four and Last Days of Disco. Oh, I remember both of those. You remember both of them? Yes. Okay. Yes. Which one did you like better? Oh, I well, to be honest, okay, I remember Last Days of Disco better <laughs> than Fifty Four. Did either of you see either movie? No. No. Okay, so this is 1998. So, I mean, what I'm thinking is we're we're 20 years removed 20 years from nostalgia. Yeah, it's the same way same way like Stranger Things now is everybody's like, "Oh, the 80s were great," you know, and it's just like I personally thought the 80s were great. I had a good time in the 80s. Were you actually you weren't even born in the 80s, were you? you were born I wasn't in- born. No. Okay, what you were? No, I No, I was born in 91. That's what I thought. Okay. Uh- so Stranger Things is nostalgia for the 80s. And I and I guess like in the 90s, we were just having this nostalgia for for the actual last days of disco. And well, that 70 that show was on in the 90s. So, yeah, there was that that 20 year cycle. Yeah. And I, 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 in the 90s, I was invited to a 70s retro party and I went dressed as the 70s version of 50s nostalgia <laughs> because of happy days in American graffiti. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the same thing. Well, of those two movies, I was interested in both of them. And I remember when they came out and 54 was the one that had the bigger cast um, that everybody was like sort of looking forward to. And yeah, who was in that? Uh, Ryan Phillippe, uh, Salma Hayek, Nev Campbell, Mike Myers, yeah, and Mike Steve Rebell. And um, so that was 54. And Last Days of Disco is the good one. 
Mm-hmm. And this isn't just my opinion. Last Days of Disco has a Rotten Tomato score of 74%. Um, 54 has a Rotten Tomato score of, I believe, 16? Yes. Really? That 16%. It's wow. real bad. It is awful. Hmm. <laughs> there, there was no, I mean, I, I remember watching it going, why, why am I still, what is this? <laughs> it's just like, it, I don't know who, that's, that's a really good cast. And you think that one of them at some point would have stood up and said, what are, what are we doing here? This is nothing. But like the entire point of that movie is just, Hey, you remember studio 54? That was cool. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like that that's it there's nothing more to it last days of disco has something to say and i and like it might not be a movie for everybody it's a smaller film mm-hmm. everybody who's in so which it, came out first um they came out um within months of each other uh let's see 54 was released on august 28th 1998 and Last Days of Disco was released June 12th, 1998. So Last Days of Disco came out first by two months. It is way better. (laughs) Um, But the cast is... Um, much less famous. Yeah, Chloe Sauvignon. How do Sauvignet. you say her name? Yeah, Sauvignon. Chloe Sauvignon and Kate Beckinsale, who both of whom are more famous now than they were then. And it really is about people who were of the disco era being aware that it was going away. They could see the cultural shift happening and they could see that they're, it, it's, it's not really about disco. It's about what's it like to see that your, your subculture is dying out and just, do you resist this? Do you not? And in, in fact, in the end, one of the best parts of it is one of the characters says disco is going to die. And all that anybody's going to remember is John Travolta doing this and putting his finger out to the side. And he's like, and that's never what disco was about because Actually, he's right. Like the, the whole staying alive thing is almost a parody of what real disco was. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like the Bee Gees, Steph's a big Bee Gees fan, but the Bee Gees were the commercialized pop version of yeah. disco. Like, well, yeah, well, yeah Saturday, Saturday Night Fever was cashing in on a fad. Yeah. So it's really a, this movie about what happens when your little counterculture just gets absorbed and turned into something that you are, you know, counter against. Where do you go from here? Which makes it a more relevant and timely movie to any era that you can watch it in. It's not Mm -hmm. just about the nostalgia. Mm -hmm. And it's and so it's really good. It's about any subculture. Yeah. 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 It just happens to be disco. But I I haven't seen that now. And now I'm interested. Yeah. Yeah. I want to watch it again now. (laughs) I'm also curious about things that are seeming to be obvious influences, but but that we don't know. I one that came to mind while we were doing this is there's you were talking about young adult uh, like you know post apocalyptic fiction or whatever, but just young adult fiction in particular in the last twenty years. You know, there was this this book about this you know, young man who's destined to be the greatest wizard on the face of the planet, and he has a pet owl, and his name was Timothy Hunter, and he was created by Neil Gaiman in Books of Magic in like nineteen eighty nine. Yes with round glasses and the whole bit the first time i ever saw harry potter my first thought was wow somebody's really ripping off books of magic 
And as far as I know, J.K. Rowling just claims she never has any contact with books and magic, knows nothing, knew nothing about it whatsoever. And given who she was when she was writing that, I can buy that. Mm-hmm. She has time that she could have read them because she's because yeah. Harry Potter doesn't start for another eight years after right. magic. But yeah, there there are a lot of similarities. I mean, the similarity is I mean, just, purely physically speaking. The similarities yeah. are, are stunning. To be fair, a lot of Harry Potter is very derivative of like things from just fantasy trips in general all the way yeah. back oh, to yeah. the author. Yeah. I mean, the, she was very good at it, but it is very yeah. derivative. I mean, like there's there's this bit in a trailer for the kid who would be king, which is a movie I did not see, but I saw the trailer a lot because I go to the movies a lot. And the kid says, "What if we like are like Harry Potter, are Luke Skywalker, and our parents turn out to be like you know important people, and we're magic and we have a destiny?" And of course, he is because he's like like King Arthur, whatever you know. Like it, it's a thing. Like it, that's why it was so cool to go completely off topic that uh, Ryan Johnson chose Ray to be like nobody because she doesn't have a magical mm-hmm. destiny. Anyway, we've talked about this before. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I feel like this episode is like we have a topic, but it's just let's listen to the four of us just chat like we're actually at a bar. Which is what this show is always supposed to be. We're just all too nerdy to let it be that most of the time. <laughs> I, I want to ask at least one more, and I mean, you guys might have more too. But the, but this was um because I was just it, this was one of the last ones I added. I put them in chronological order, but I didn't think of them in chronological order because this one didn't occur to me till the very end. And I don't know if anybody's seen both movies, but me. That's why I wanted to ask. So, nineteen ninety five and ninety six, Showgirls and Striptease, yeah, came out roughly the same time, and. And here's why why I think they're interesting from a narrative perspective, from an acting perspective, from a filmmaking perspective, pretty much in every technical possible way. Striptease is a far superior film. And I never have any desire to ever watch it again. Showgirls is delightful. <laughs> Showgirls, Showgirls is a Showgirls is a better movie, and it shouldn't be. Showgirls is the most beautiful train wreck that has ever been filmed. Put to film, <laughs> everything about it is awful, and yet. I maintain and, and I've watched it. I've watched Showgirls most recently, maybe a year or two ago. It's been a while, but I've watched it enough times to every time I watch it, I'm more and more convinced that more people who aren't Elizabeth Berkeley are in on the joke that it's a really bad movie. Gina Gershon in Showgirls knows she's in an awful movie. She is completely like there's no doubt. She is completely aware that I'm just doing this for the check and this is real bad. And, and it led to her her role on the best show on TV ever, Riverdale. Riverdale, yeah. Um, yeah we hadn't brought no. that up yet. Speaking so. uh, of the Good Place, the best show on television, isn't it odd that the Good Place and Good Omens and also something like the Golden Compass are all coming out at similar times, asking about like religion and ethics, though in very different ways? I thought you were going to just say that they all had the word good in their title. Yeah. <laughs> the Golden Compass does not, not have good. the word. Uh, also, I realized that spoiler alert for the Good Place and Good Omens that Michael is basically a similar character to Crawley because they're both like very into petty tortures, demon wise. Which honestly, I think is the best kind of torture. 
I haven't watched the omens yet. I still have to. It's a, yeah, it's I same here. I haven't got to it yet. Want to? Guys, we're supposed to do a show on it. I know. I'm working oh. my way through. I'm, I'm catching up. It's work. It's summer. I know. <laughs> so it's so it's all the other shows. It's so hard at this point. Somebody actually, um, there's a meme that goes around where people talk about, you know, do something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And it's like, no. Do something you mm-hmm. love and you work all the fucking all the time. time. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I've, I've been down the rabbit hole of rewatching Six Feet Under since our episode on episode endings. Like, I'm going to go back and just watch the first episode of that. And here I am. <laughs> okay, guys, does this mean that we can do my epi- my episode suggestion about the golden age of TV? Is there too much TV or is it? Yes, we can do that. episode. And there is too much TV. <laughs> It's more complicated than that. It is more complicated than that. Yeah. And if it wasn't, if it wasn't, we could just pull this piece out and release it as a separate show. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, I think uh, we've unraveled. We've resolved nothing. Yeah, we have. But I was, uh, was going to ask um, Hannah for some that I haven't seen, which were, because I think, I think you've seen both of these. Did you see both Christopher Robin movies? Uh, I only saw the Disney one. Okay, but are you even sure which one that is? Is that no. Goodbye Christopher Robin or just no, Christopher, Christopher Robin? Robin? Goodbye Christopher Robin is actually about the author um, of okay. the way the poop looks. But yeah. Christopher Robin <laughs> is so sad. I like cried through the entire thing. It, 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 yes, yes, yes. I yes. It's really good. Yeah, I yeah I like I liked it a lot, and I, I agree with everything you couldn't saying, handle you know? it. Also, uh, Haley Atwell, uh, <laughs> aka Peggy Carter, isn't it? And that is delightful. Um, yeah, <laughs> she, she needs more. Yes, work. she should be in all the things. Uh, they should bring back Agent yes. Carter for Disney Plus. Uh, give her a movie, yes. everything. Re-release the Marvel Agent Carter lipstick, Besame. Um, <laughs> you know. So those are all my opinions. You have all my opinions, audience. Uh, oh, oh. So yeah, like Wayne said, I think we resolved. People should stop making the Jungle Book. <laughs> <laughs> I had such a fondness for that when I was seven years old, <laughs> and and I, I I think the the song Bare Necessities had an undue influence on the way I live my entire life. So. Did you ever watch Telspin? No, you're a little old for Telspin. I mean, I was a little yeah. old, for Telspin and yeah, I no that 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 blues apocryphal. Yeah. He grew up in the jungle. He can't fly a plane. <laughs> uh, Telspin, Telspin, I only watched because it was on right after Chip, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, which is an amazing show, and I don't know why it won't come back. <laughs> Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers should not work as a as a television show. It, 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 it's Miami Vice with Chipmunk. Yes. Oh, it's not true. <laughs> No, no, Chip and Dell, the delightful Disney cartoon characters. Um, and well, it's not, it's not exactly Miami Vice, but I mean, it's basically Miami Vice. One of them is, it's, it's, no, no, they run a detective it, it, agency. It, it, it's Indiana Jones and, 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 the and the yes. yeah. One, Chip, they run a detective agency wherein Chip has become Indiana Jones and Dale has become Magnum PI. And then they've got a couple of friends who were made up just for that show. Um, and they, Solve mysteries as chipmunks. Oh, I would watch that. It's really good, and they brought back Ducktail, so I'm just assuming that that is right behind on on its way. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know what we resolved, but I, I did, do think we, you know, we talked about some movies. <laughs> I'm, I'm just assuming that somewhere out there, there's a podcast just like ours that we don't know about that started. Other dimension. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I wonder if they have, but I wonder if they just talk about weird movies every week, and then this week they're doing some serious deep dive into some cultural yeah. issue. <laughs> anyway, Alrighty. Steph, thanks for joining us this week at the okay. last minute. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. And do you have anything to plug? You never have anything. To plug. No, I really don't. <laughs> uh, Palindrome Hannah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Hanley Rogers. Um, it may or may not be more nonsensical than this show. <laughs> this episode, right? <laughs> well, see, I do follow her on Twitter, and I, I, I and yet I can't make a judgment call. Sometimes you say serious things there. There, well, sometimes we say serious things here. Wayne, what about you? Uh, here mostly these days. Mm-hmm. I, so. <laughs> well, but you haven't even been here for the last month. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, uh, I, uh, good point. Good point. I was unfindable. <laughs> and you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Maverick or on my blog at www.chrismaverick.com, which I've also fallen behind on updating. Um, I need to. I need to work on that. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter. Or Instagram at Vox Popcast, or on our blog at www.voxpopcast.com, where you will get a chance to weigh in on whatever topics work are coming up. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from. And do us a favor, go on over to iTunes, especially, or any of the other services, and leave us a five star review. That helps other people find the show um, by tweaking the algorithm and making magic happen. And I don't know, I was going to try, I was trying to come up with some, you know, really stupid joke that referenced today's topic, but it didn't work as I was doing it. So let's just, I don't know. We'll just cut this <laughs> Nah, I, I was dumb. This stays in. <laughs> I don't know. It's my birthday. Leave us a five-star review. <laughs> And um, I would like to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our epic theme song, which is building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd like to thank you at home for listening. Thanks again, Steph. And we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 pieces of ice and rock that burned harmlessly in our atmosphere and lit up the sky for an hour. Still, we were left with the devastation of the first. The waters reached as far inland as the Ohio and Tennessee valleys. It washed away farms and towns, forests and skyscrapers. But the water receded. The wave hit Europe and Africa, too. Millions were lost. Countless more left homeless. But the waters receded. Cities fall, but they are rebuilt. And heroes die, but they are remembered.